Mix of sun and cloud, high of nine today, clear tonight, low of two. Good morning, everybody. Thanks for tuning in. Today marks the uh, beginning of the end of the London attack trial. The evidence portion of the trial wrapped last week. The jury has been on standby since then, uh, ahead of the beginning of closing arguments, which uh, should happen uh, today. Nathaniel Veltman is accused of deliberately hitting five members of the Offsall family with his truck while they're out for a walk on June 6th of 2021. He has pleaded not guilty to four counts of first-degree murder, one count of attempted murder. Now, court did not sit yesterday due to Remembrance Day being on Saturday. This week is the 11th week of the trial. The case is also the first where Canada's terrorism laws are being put before a jury in a first-degree murder setting. To talk about this, we're joined by Nick Cake, prosecutor turned defense lawyer at Cake Criminal Defense. Uh, Nick, as always, I appreciate your time today. Good morning, Devin. Hope the morning's treating you well, good sir. It is uh, likewise for you. Um, before we talk about the closing arguments, what do you make of the evidence uh, presented by the Devin, uh, defense? In, in my non-legal mind, I was a bit confused as to uh, the the argument Veltman was trying to make at times uh, in his uh, defense when he was on the stand. Well, what I think is really interesting, it's, it's, it's weird because I had a really long conversation with my mom about this, actually. She was wondering why Mr. Veltman did not grant access uh, by the psychiatrist to family members. I mean, if, if Mr. Veltman is talking about the fact that his upbringing, the, the radical Christ, uh, Christian nature in which he was raised and the effect that his mother and his social isolation had on him, and then that all boils down and, or, or sorry, boils over with the pandemic, wouldn't it have been interesting to hear from his mom, you know, to either uh, justify and and corroborate what Mr. Veltman was talking about, or potentially, you know, one might think that maybe mom wasn't going to go down that path. And what's interesting about that, Devin, is we are all human. We are all valuable in the sense that there's always things in the back of our mind. And so when you're a jury retiring to that jury room and you're analyzing everything, no matter what the judge instructs you or the arguments that are made by the defense, there is the possibility there that in the back of their mind, someone or multiple people might be thinking the way my mom did. And that is, well, what about this? You know, I don't like this evidence because of this. But the argument put forward makes sense in the sense that this is the argument that flows from the admissions that were made. You know, when when you admit that you drove in the manner that you drove, when the black box data from the truck is is admitted, it seemingly starts to chip away at available defenses until we're left with this, you know, this diminished capacity, this, you know, I I I didn't intend to do it. I, I wasn't the same person as I was then, all that kind of stuff. So with closing arguments, uh, what happens next? So. What happens now is the lawyers tell the jury what to do with the 10 weeks of evidence. You know, the Crown called 19 witnesses. Uh, There were agreed statement of facts put in. Videos were watched. Uh, The defense called, of course, Mr. Veltman and, and, and psychiatrists, right? So there are reports that have gone in. And so the lawyers are now going to try and convince the jury, this is what you do with all this. 
this is the story that we have laid out and this is the conclusion that we want you to reach. So the defense goes first because uh, the defense called evidence. If the defense had not called any evidence, then the Crown holds the burden. They would go first, the defense would respond. But because the defense has opted to call evidence, of course, not being forced to, Mr. Veltman had a right not to, he chose to call evidence, he then loses a bit of an advantage there, and he now has to present first. So Mr. Hicks will present Mr. Veltman's closing argument, you know, what should you do with the evidence that you have heard, and then ultimately the Crown, any one of them, uh, will present what they believe should be done, explaining, you know, this piece of evidence means this. This is a logical conclusion to this piece of evidence. This is the only inference that's reasonable based upon what we've heard, explaining, of course, the, the burden of proof, and then ultimately getting to, uh, getting to the conclusion that the, the Crown wants them to make. It's impossible to know how long the deliberation process would be, of course, but when you have a trial that has been this long, would you expect it's going to take at least a little while to go through 10 weeks of evidence from Crown and defense? You you know what, Devin, I've been on the the end of things that have gone either way. You you put your pen down and you walk out of that courtroom and you're, you're making plans for dinner that evening with the family, thinking that your jury will be back in but minutes. Um, I've also been, been on the other end where you, you make plans for dinner and those plans are canceled for days on end. I don't pretend to know what's going to happen in that jury room. I don't think that it really matters that there was 10 weeks of evidence. That doesn't necessarily mean that they're going to take six or seven days or five days to deliberate because they've also been present and forming their opinion and you know, reviewing the evidence throughout the balance of the trial. I think what might take some time is when the jury retires to the jury room and when they start their deliberations, they're going to need to um, craft their decision in accordance with the judge's instruction. So after the closing arguments are made by the defense and the Crown, then uh, Justice Pomerantz will give her instructions to the jury. And that's where the judge says, okay, you've heard the evidence. You've heard the defense talk. You've heard the Crown talk. Now I'm going to explain to you what the law is and what you can do with that evidence. And so the, the jurors will then take Justice Pomerantz's instructions into the jury room, They'll take all the exhibits. They, they may rewatch the videos. That may take some time. But ultimately, uh, who knows, Devin? And that's one of the reasons why this trial playing out in the media is so interesting because the public is, is having a look at the, the criminal justice system and, and how it works. And this is just something that we can't predict how long it will take to make a decision. I don't know. And we, as we saw over the weekend with the Peter Nygaard uh, trial, it can come on the weekend. It can come even you know, later in the day as well, right? Well, it can. I've received uh, jury decisions on, on Saturdays. I've received them, you know, 5 o'clock on Fridays, uh, 10 a.m. on Tuesday mornings. It, it can come at any point in time. Once they start deciding, they don't stop until they've decided. It'll be interesting to follow. Uh, We will uh, be talking again uh, possibly soon. Uh, Nick, as always, I appreciate the time.
No problem, Devin. You have a great day, sir. You as well. That is Nick Cake, a defense lawyer at Cake Criminal Defense. We need to pause. So when we return, we'll have more of The Morning Show with Devin Peacock on 980 CFPL.